1: Den Talks podcast is powered by denanywhere.com, your one-stop shop for self-growth. Go there for workshops, classes, live classes, on-demand classes, certifications, retreats, whatever it is you are looking for, we have it. Come join us. And now for only $49.99, a month, you have unlimited access to all classes live and the entire on-demand schedule, so you can make it work for you. So if you are looking for a chance to deepen your practice, show up every day, or even just a couple times a week, this is the membership for you. We cannot wait to see you in class. Go to denanywhere.com and sign up. <music> Wants to get witchy today. Welcome to Den Talks Podcast. This is Tall, your host and the founder of Den Meditation. We have Marisha Miranowska on with us. She was rated, I didn't even know this was a thing, the top 20 of Instagram's top witches. Amazing, right? But she is a witch and she's amazing, and I love her. And do not let that intimidate you guys. What it is is basically she has a beautiful relationship with the earth, and it's something we can absolutely learn from. She is a teacher. She is a writer. She's an herbalist. She is an activist. And she is a witch. And we talk so much about how to get into right relationship with Mother Earth what it is we can all be doing. And honestly, at the very core of it, going back to this idea of taking responsibility for ourselves, our own energy and how we show up for ourselves and therefore how you are showing up every single day in relationship to the energy of the earth. And it is incredible when you start to look at it this way. And she really breaks it down to how you can break the entire world and every day of your life into four different elements. And when you start to see what's in balance and out of balance, it will actually shift the way you behave. She's great. Um, I learned a lot from this. I actually think you guys are going to learn a lot from it as well. And at the very least, be very motivated to start shifting your perspective on things. Let us know how you feel. Drop us a line and also drop a review, please. It really helps us out. So wherever whatever your listening platform is, go there, give us hopefully five stars and let us know what you're thinking. And we appreciate you all so much. Mm-hmm. what are you drinking? Cause I know it's something I'm sure very specific and amazing and I'm drinking a few things.
2: <laughs> I've got, you know, all my, I'm, I'm a beverage junkie.
1: <laughs> well, but talk to me about it. So what are you? So clearly one was water.
2: One is water. One here is Gymnostema, which is kind of one of my favorite herbs right now. Um, has been for a while, but she's just kind of come back again into my life.
1: <laughs> I love that. What does she do for you?
2: You know, she feels really a lot, um, she kind of holds some of the energy of spring. There's a lot of kind of clarity and lightness that she brings. Um, Ginostema is a longevity tonic and an Mm. adaptogen. So it's really lovely and nutritive and tonifying to the nervous system. And then it's also, it it has this kind of viny way of growing and often plants that have that kind of sprawling way tend to work on the air element in the body, which is the mind. So she's really, yeah, lovely to <laughs> like what I vata, need. vata folks, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so funny, yeah.
1: And does she taste good?
2: Really good. She has almost this sweet, it's almost like a green tea or an oolong tea with a sweetness. It's a really lovely, yeah, I have this sweet little teacup, and uh,
1: yeah, and then what's in the other cup because then you had another one happening.
2: Yeah, I have a little decaf espresso here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that.
2: Yeah, just a little warm, hot. My my sister's visiting. So we have, she was just making coffee. And when it's around, you know, the smell is so delicious. But
1: so do you, because I mean, it's amazing everything you do. And I can't wait to talk about everything. But off of this. I know you harvest your own stuff. I mean, I'm sure you have a cabinet somewhere that I'm, I'd probably be in awe to see. Is everything like labeled and in their own like canisters? Is it crazy? Yeah, like I, mean, I have several. Definitely,
2: I have like an apothecary in my kitchen with things that I can grab, and then I have like a full shed with huge bins of herbs. I used to have an apothecary, so I do have a lot of herbs. It's it's kind of, yeah, it's a thing.
1: <laughs> now do you harvest all your own herbs? Like where are they growing? Where, tell me all that. Cause that I find yeah. so fascinating.
2: I'm not harvesting all of my herbs at all. And, and one of the reasons is really because I live in, you know, drought stricken California. And so, um, you know, I, I feel like it's really important whenever we live in a place to really obviously be in relationship to that place and to understand what that place is asking of us. And, and I find that harvesting and wild harvesting, it's kind of like this long-term relationship. It's like a marriage. So mm-hmm. there are moments in that relationship where we can really reap and and where, you know, the earth and the plants are like, please take some. And then there are moments where we just need to really feed it. And so, California, you know, for quite some time now, has been in a drought. Um, so I'm not really wild harvesting anything, and I have some gardens that I tend to, and from those gardens, I'll harvest some herbs. Um, but generally, because I work with a lot of plant material, I'll I'll usually um, buy herbs that are grown in farms, often in Oregon, sometimes in Europe, or just in the Northeast where there's a lot more rain.
1: That's so interesting. And I love how, I love the respect that you have for the land where you're like, yeah, I'm not doing it right now because this is not what's okay with the land and it's not what it needs. Is that, so talk to me, I'm so curious about your journey, but let's start first with, so everyone knows, like, talk to me about what a definition of a witch is. Mm -hmm. And also with the words of, let's say, Shamanism. And I know you use you use these words, and you explain this a little bit in your book, too, but I think it's really important for everybody to know between shamanism, Wick, being a Wiccan, pagan, um witch, like talk about how they intersect and how they may be different.
2: Sure. yeah. So I think that at the root of of my work and my practice, um, is really just a deep connection to the earth and a deep inquiry of how to be in great right relationship with the earth and with that which is unseen. And I think that that is really holds true for all of those different kind of yeah. branches and, and, um, and yeah, they really do feel like branches on a tree. And um, in terms of, you know, being a witch, or a Wiccan or a pagan or shamanism, I think paganism is kind of closer down on that trunk. You know, paganism, it really speaks to uh, earth worshiping people, people who lived in harmony with the cycles of nature and um, often fed those forces of renewal through rituals, through practices. So, you know, for instance, you know, just yesterday, I was painting some um, Easter eggs in this traditional Polish way. They're called pisanki. And, And this is a really pagan practice. And it's really beautiful for us to notice all the different ways that we're still kind of enacting rituals that have a very pagan origin and pagan root. And when we look at those deeper pagan roots of our traditions, we realize that, you know, having... Easter and with, with a bunny and with eggs, there's there's actually deep meaning. And that deep meaning is often about feeding the fertility of the earth in the case of, of Easter. And so, you know, even the druids are said to have dyed eggs red to represent menstrual blood and to put them into freshly plowed fields. And and you know, the hair of the bunny is a symbol of the goddess. And so there's all these rituals and practices that we do that are Meant to kind of feed the greater web, the invisible web of life and death and renewal. And so I think paganism, shamanism, Wicca, which um, they all have often that kind of pagan root. And then if we were to kind of continue traveling up the the trunk of the tree, um, you know, Wicca is a, is a religion. Um, It's not a religion that I practice. Um, Then there is the witch, which for me, the definition of a witch is a person of any gender that works with the cycles of nature in order to create transformation and magic and healing. And, and one thing that feels so important about, you know, which is that there is the law of anything you put out there comes back to you tenfold and the mm. law that witches have, which is do no harm. And, and I find that that's really important because there's been so much kind of, you know, cultural brainwashing of, of witches as these evil.
1: <laughs> that's so true.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But really at, at the core, um working with magic and working with these cycles of nature y- y- for me I've really learned that I have to be impeccable with my energy and that it's a practice of being impeccable because you affect energy.
1: And it's, uh, it is so interesting because being impeccable with your energy is such an interesting way to say it, I find. And it's like what it creates is, which I think is missing tremendously in society today is taking responsibility for yourself. Yeah. And and it's like, and that goes to many layers. Like, obviously, you're talking about also energetically, you're talking about at a much deeper level, um, which I think if people could start taking responsibilities for themselves in some layers, they could actually get to that point. You could get to that depth and you could see how, you know, your thoughts affect the things around you. Your thoughts actually affect the vibrations, the people around you, how things are created. And we're constantly, all of us, you know, as woo as it might sound, are responsible for what's going on in society, what's going on with the earth, what's going on with everything. So it is interesting. It is like to be impeccable with your energy is something that I just find missing. There's such a dearth of it right now.
2: hmm Yeah. And I mean, you know, yeah, it can sound woo-woo and and we can definitely- By the
1: way, we can totally be woo-woo. We (laughs) are woo-woo here. (laughs) I just always like to say it for people knowing like, hey, we're aware, but we're woo-woo.
2: Yeah. And and, and exactly. I mean, to that point, you know, we can really have some deep, amazing spiritual conversations around that. And also it's not woo-woo because it's grounded in science. You know, every action has a reaction. And so it can be woo-woo and it, it's beautiful to kind of go into those realms of what that means for us. Yeah. Um, but it's also just actually the law of the universe.
1: I say that in all my classes, because I'm like, you guys can think it's as woo as you want. I'm always like, but it's Albert Einstein. I'm like, it, you've yeah. learned this since you were a kid. It's just this idea of you know matter, energy, it's all there. And so yeah. it is fascinating. So talk to me a little bit, because I want to get here, because there's so much I feel like we can talk about. But Like, where were you born? Were you born this little magical witch, or like, have you evolved into this amazing witch? You know, I was born
2: in Poland. I was born in Warsaw um, during the kind of end of the communism era, and um, I was born to a family of like a very revolutionary activists, intellectuals, professors. And, and political activists. And so I definitely, it's very grounding and nourishing to me. And it has given me a lot of courage in my life to be able to feel um, just a real deep rooted connection to um, people in my family that have been badasses and that have defied the laws and have, you know, really stood up for what's right. And so um, that I think has been a strong root to, to me and my development and my path. Um, and my great grandmother taught me first about metals and some of the herbs and, and, you know, but in Poland, herbalism, I mean, I think even to this day, it's not, it's not so separate from just folk knowledge and holistic mm. healing. And so it wasn't like my grandmothers were herbalists. They just knew how to- they were grandmas. Yeah, they were just grandmas, exactly. <laughs> And and hence, you know, the tradition of herbalism that I now hold and teach and, and am in a relationship with is, you know, called the Wise Woman Tradition of Healing, which was coined by Susan Weed. And it's really, a, it's a very kind of folk, it's folk medicine it, and you can find it all over the world. I think that's been one of the greatest kind of joys of my work has been working with people from all over the world, different cultures. And everybody, every student I have, there's one point where, you know, whether it's a Korean student or an African-American student or, you know, really such a diverse group of people, there's always a point where they're like, oh, yeah, my grandma used to do that. Oh, yeah, this reminds me of the way my grandma would, you know, heal me when I was sick or love me. And there's an aspect to this tradition of healing that's invisible. And and that is um, that's, yeah, that's part of its magic is it's not this kind of heroic ego filled. I am the savior. I am a healer. Give me power. Um, it's, it's the, it's the wise woman way. It's the kind of the way of the grandmothers, you know, bringing someone a cup of nourishing soup when they're sick or listening to them when they're heartbroken, all these ways that we can't necessarily pinpoint the healing, but that's where kind of the deepest medicine can occur.
1: Well, it's so interesting. I mean, part of it's because I'm getting older, but just being so much more attuned to kind of the crone archetype mm-hmm. and the wise woman. And it is so interesting. And I mean, look, we've, I mean, it, this is not new conversation of how we don't respect our elders in this society as you know, other cultures have, but to your point, it is really interesting how there's actually been magic and in a weird way, a lineage handed down. But like you said, in a, it's, not overt though. Like it's been Mm -hmm. secretly handed down and people don't even realize it, but there's a good and a bad to that. The bad part is it easily disappears because people don't actually realize like what you said. I'm sure if I were sitting with you, I'd be like, oh my God, my grandmother, my grandmother, probably like 25 times. And then you almost want to like hit yourself for like, oh my God, all these teaching moments I've missed because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't taught in the sense of like, I need to teach you this. These are, this is, let's say a lineage that needs to be passed down. So whether you want to hear it or not, you're learning it and it's going to, that doesn't happen. So it's almost like, did you get to fall into that magical vibration and absorb some of it? Or are we all kind of backpedaling, trying to revive some of it? Well,
2: I love what you're speaking to. And I just want to speak to that because I think it's exactly like the whole point. I think you've kind of found the seed. And that is that we have to have such compassion for ourselves because we are born into and we're living in a culture that is so kind of solar and growth oriented and linear growth forever. And and so all of these ways and these energies that we're talking about that are kind of more hidden and dark, um, you know, our culture just doesn't even teach us to notice them. And and you know for myself, I think this last year has been so, um, in you know healing in, in having us compost so many parts of our culture and having us us really look and face things that are asking to be asking like for midwiving of death, you know. And and in that process of of seeing what was happening in our culture and our society in the last few years, there was a a list I once saw of the list of um, the characteristics of white supremacy. And when I saw that list, if if you Google it, you can find it. It was so revealing to me because all of this work that I've been doing, um, around getting folks to connect to the regenerative currents of nature, right? That yes, there's a season of growth and expansion and being in the limelight, but then there's also a growth where a moment where we have to pull back our energy, where as women, we stop bleeding And there's power in that. We're actually pulling our energy deeper inside, you know, to the point of, of going through the, the phase of what I call the enchantress and then the crone, that moment where we stop bleeding as women in many traditional cultures, it's seen as a powerful moment. Hmm. It's seen that women who have been bleeding and bleeding every month, giving and mothering. Now they get to take this chi back into their bodies and it's a time where they become more wise it's like a ripening and so yes our culture which is so obsessed with eternal youth and eternal growth you know those messages and those teachings get lost and and i believe that that's at the core of our disconnection to the earth and of so much sickness as well
1: but it's so ironic because in the search for eternal youth and eternal growth, you're actually missing the magic of infinite wisdom.
2: Absolutely. And what I often will tell students and, and they'll often have an aha moment is that there's nothing in nature that grows forever. The only thing that I know of that grows continuously is cancer. Mm. And so, we are, <laughs> yeah, so we're living in a culture, right? Our economics, it's all about continual growth that doesn't work that's not natural and and you know here in california where i live the land is burning you know we have these really dramatic wildfires i see that as a result of the earth needing to balance herself because things have been pushed so much she's been pushed into giving giving growth growth solar expansion so much that there's a moment where to bring us back into that regenerative current there's just so much more that needs to kind of be deconstructed and to burn
1: down. I know. I keep having, I, I, I was in LA until recently. So I just keep having weird feelings about California in general and just like it's next phase yeah. of, because it feels like there's a lot of, like you said, it needs to retract a little bit, but on, on that note, it is interesting of this idea of, you know, we're, well, you know, specifically that note, let's talk about, I think what's so sad is nobody really learned. Like when a year ago during this time and everything was shut down, like completely shut down, like people weren't even taking advantage of it or, I mean, everything was shut down. Planes weren't going and you'd be going for walks, especially in LA. It was so beautiful. Yeah. And what was so shocking, and I think everybody was commenting on it, especially somewhere like Los Angeles, where you can see the difference of air within a day. Like you could see when all of a sudden you can clearly see all the beautiful mountains that are surrounding you at all times. You can see straight to the water no matter where you are, and it was springtime. So to be able to witness spring in a way we've never been able to see before, I mean, it was so clearly that mother, so clear that Mother Earth was happy. You yeah. could, I mean, even if you weren't a woo person at all, you saw it. Everyone was commenting on it like, "Oh my God." You shut stuff down. And I think what was surprising, at least to me, was how fast yeah. the reaction of relief on her part was. Mm. Like, And that's what I, and I know I wasn't alone, just this idea of, wow, planes haven't been going for just two weeks, not even two weeks, and cars haven't been going in Los Angeles for a week, whatever it was this is the reaction, this quick, like it's that quick for her to just breathe out a big sigh of relief and show you all of her colors and all of her beauty. And I just kept thinking there, I'm like, well, we should all learn something from this. Like, And I kept saying like, wouldn't it be great if globally every six months, or if we can't even do every six months, if it was once a year that everything was forced to shut down for one week. And it, maybe it could be called like the COVID holiday or something. We're like, yes, I have but, the same thought. I'm <laughs> like, just for one week, it's global. Like everything has to shut down no matter where it is. Like if you're like hotel, like operations just shut down, trucks are not allowed to go, like transportation's not allowed to go just to like, you know, companies have to shut down. Factories have to shut down just to like, see for one week you just give the earth a reprieve. Like I think we were all so shocked at how much benefit yeah. it gave the earth to give it a rest like that. I wish they would figure something out like that because I feel like it's so in the rear view mirror so quickly.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's a great idea. I've had very similar thoughts. And I think like some of the medicine that I'm gathering from what you're speaking to that I want to highlight is that us as humans, we have a part in the earth's regeneration and our consciousness is part of the consciousness of the earth regenerating herself. And so mm-hmm. it kind of goes back to what we were saying about every action has a reaction. You know, where we can make changes so that things don't get so bad that then we have these awful wildfires, you know, or this terrible pollution. And I do feel like coronavirus has been and and this whole pandemic the pause that it forced upon us especially earlier on it was really, really revealing. And I think, you know, the, the health that we saw globally and environmentally was also echoed in the health that I saw internally in people. There were a lot of people that needed that break.
1: And I would argue everyone needed it. Now, unfortunately, some people didn't get it. Um, But yeah, keep going. I mean, I love what you're saying.
2: Yeah. And I think it also, you know, made us face parts of ourselves because, and, and the, the parts of us ourselves that were amplified are the parts of ourselves that again, have just been born into this extractive culture of go, 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 go. And so it's wildly uncomfortable to not have something to do or to not have you know, a, a convenience right at our fingertips. And it makes us really have to sit with ourselves and be with ourselves and notice our own addiction to a fast pace of life.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's so funny you said that. I'm I'm literally doing a little mini project with myself this week, which I challenged my class to do with me if they wanted to, um, which was I was sitting just with the idea of like non-doing. And and I was like, oh, this is gonna be an interesting one for me because I'm such a doer. And but a doer usually, and this is what I found fascinating, like if I make my list of like the things I do to keep myself busy, they're all like good things. It's not, you know what I mean? It's like under the guise of great intention. Um, obviously I'm not going to pretend I don't get down that wormhole of like social media too. everyone gets caught in the wormholes somewhere, (laughs) but all in all. And so, and I realized that it wasn't very obvious for me what emotions I was covering up with that doing, going, 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 or even if that's what it is, or if that's just how my mind is wired and I need to switch it. I don't know what it is. I know for some people you're totally avoiding something Mm -hmm. sitting with those emotions, Um, And I couldn't even figure out what that was, which is why I was like, okay, I realize on my list, it's constantly like it's projects, it's research, like I'm constantly learning new things and research, there's a thought that pops in my head, I'm very quickly on my phone, learning everything about that thought, or if I have, you know, if you say something today that I'm like, Oh, my God, that's fascinating. I want to know more, like, I would probably right afterwards be like, Oh, my God, I got to know everything. And and that's why i was saying under it's under a guise of something you wouldn't necessarily think is bad. So I'm I, my little test with myself this week is like no non-essential searching for anything. Like if it's not essential, I'm not doing it. And I'm make, trying to just keep a list. So if there is a project I need to get done or something I need to buy, like I'll keep the list. And obviously, if there's something essential, I can do it um, or if I need to know in that moment for a real reason. But it's fascinating. I've already caught myself so time, so many times. I'm like, oh my God, my brain is just such a go, 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 go. It's everything you're saying. It's like, we're just programmed that way. And that even sometimes, even if you have the best intentions, you can, you can take that energy and redirect it, but you're still doing the same thing.
2: Yeah. Well, and I think what you're speaking to, which is really interesting, and it kind of comes back to some of that tree trunk again of paganism and and working with, with really the elements and and so you know if we look at everything people, plants, projects, the things that we create as having the elements of earth, air, water and fire, then we can just begin to notice that it's all just a dance of balancing them and, and of alchemy. And so everything that you're speaking to about your personality and about the way you work to me speaks to a really strong air and fire element. Right, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you're in your mind, and you're quick. You're quick thinking, and and you can think of 500 things at once, and envision it. And then that fire is like the action. Let's do this. I'm I'm passionate. So there's nothing wrong with that, right? But I feel like what you're speaking to is is really juicy because what I'm hearing in you is this inquiry of like, ooh. What would it feel like in my body and in my life if I deepened my relationship to my inner water and mm. to my earth element? And so it makes so much sense that you chose this like non-doing, right? Because that <laughs> that is kind of um, the, the pace of the earth. Things transform in the earth element, but really slowly, right? Whereas fire is just a quick transformer. So it's wonderful that you're kind of in this process of, of feeling it. And then I feel like, you know, for myself, a lot of my work comes back to embodiment. And, and I often feel like, you know, this tradition of healing that, that I teach is really connected to Tantra Mm
1: -hmm. and,
2: and that it's through our body that we're able to learn and grow and transform and really alchemize these elements. And and I feel like that element of water you know, is that inquiry of like, mm, what is it gonna feel like to slow down? And then there's that ability that we have of going deeper into that and noticing what arises and, and going deeper into those sensations and feelings in the body.
1: And talk about actually the elements a little bit because part of um, your ritual, right, is like calling in the directions and the elements are all attached to kind of a different mm-hmm. direction. And so how often are you invoking the directions?
2: I invoke them every time I teach and hold ceremony. Um, I also invoke them anytime that I am offering prayers or making offerings to the earth or making medicine um, or anytime I'm doing any healing work. Um, I'll invoke them also if I'm doing divinations or or essentially any time that I want to plug myself into a greater web. And and that's why I invoke the elements. It's to help me kind of get out of just my own little small human self and to invite in the participation of these really kind of, I mean, I see them as these golden threads of energy that mm. weave everything together.
1: So I want to talk about something I feel like people do not take enough advantage of our certifications. A lot of people don't realize we have as many certifications as we do. Here's the beauty you can now do it no matter where you live in the world or what your time zone is. There is something. For you, And again, certifications are a brilliant way if you're looking to change your career, if you're interested in something and just want to know more, or frankly, if you kind of are craving to go on a deeper journey with yourself. Certifications are a brilliant way to do that. And we cover everything from Reiki's all the way up to master level, intuitive healing trainings, if you're really looking to hone that psychic ability or become an energetic healer, um, teacher training, which is an intense, incredible program for self-exploration, or if you want to become a teacher, animal communications, breathwork, the list goes on. And we're always adding new courses and ways to expand what you know and what you want to learn. So go to denanywhere.com, check out certifications and courses and join us. Now, do you feel, I mean, going back to what we were talking about, kind of this linear line of go, go, go and create and conquer in some ways, it's like, it seems like a witch, or a medicine woman, or someone of you know who's working with the earth so intimately—it's it the just that like you said, you're in right relationship with the earth. You're in right relationship with the sun and the fire and all of the elements. Um, versus this idea of which I feel like we're more in as a society, which is kind of controlling those elements. Mm. It's kind of like we've put ourselves on top of this chain versus understanding we're all, like you said, in the web together. So it's almost like we have completely different points of view of what all the relationships are, which I find fascinating. It's like, there's this point of view, very patriarchal, did I say that correctly? (laughs) Um, Of kind of, like you said, this hierarchy and humans are on top of it and we control it all. But then if we would stop and breathe and pay attention for a second, we'd realize what's happening in that version of it. And then the version that you, you said, is it's funny, you said before, it's in the shadows, it's in the dark, you know, when we we're talking about kind of what's passed on from our grandparents. And I find that such an interesting thing because you're right, it is, but it's all about light, which is what's yeah. so interesting. It's all about energy and creation, even though it balances the dark as well. Um, but it's like that to me, it's the visual is like you just said, this web, these this web and where it's all, one's not without the other.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think even as as you're painting this picture, what I'm really seeing and what I hope to kind of share with our listeners is that we we connect to the earth. We work in those darker realms of that which is unseen so that we can draw those energies up through Mm -hmm. our bodies and alchemize them through our actions, through the way we speak, through the way we relate to others. And, And we are... The medicine of all of these energies of the earth and the sky, alchemized through our unique selves, and then again creating change. Right, every action has a reaction. So,
1: sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. That might have been the the most for me perfect explanation of understanding. I feel like there's always this question that comes up, well, maybe not for most people, but for me, but I feel like that philosophical conversation that always ends up coming up, well, then exactly why were humans created? Like why, 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 right? And you can go into all the layers of, you know, it's to represent all the different elements of what spirit really wants. It's to see, it's to experiment, it's to co-create, it's to grow, all these things. But that was just such a fascinating take on why the what the import of the human finite vessel is Mm -hmm. and why it's actually important to this entire system.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we are cauldrons of transformation. And when we are weaving from a more vast web and when we're inviting in the participation of our ancestors and those who are yet unborn, And when we're making space at the table for the non-human, for the earth, for the animals, then we're able to alchemize all of that wisdom and information with our own unique gifts that we're born with and create life,
1: create change,
2: right? That's We are the ones that bring it into the solar, into the light.
1: I love that. Did you say cauldrons of transformation? Is that what you said? I love that. But I think that's... So great. And right on. And again, it takes us way back to the beginning of the conversation of like, you need to be responsible for yourself and understand that each single one of us individually is so important.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that I I think you might work with as a yogini, you might work with, you know, the the chakras. And, and whenever I think about the solar plexus, which is, you know, the power center, it's that is the element of fire. I think about how each of us are are born so unique. And, you know, it's said that um, every single snowflake on the planet is unreplicable, right? That every single snowflake has never been seen before, which is mind-blowing.
1: Crazy. Yeah.
2: but like the glaciers and all the time. And you're like, wow, creation is so infinitely creative that a snowflake is never replicated. And it's the same with us humans. Each of us are so unique and it's in our uniqueness that we house our gifts and our ability to transform life on earth. You know, and I think about the wild weeds that i work with i work with a lot of common weeds like nettles and dandelion really common plants if you try to grow them in a vegetable bed or in a row they're like no (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm gonna grow wild in the forest or at the banks of this river and and for me Connecting folks to these wild weeds helps people remember how to be wild, how to be connected to their own authentic truth and not to fall into these patterns that society gives us of growing in a row, of looking a certain way, of consuming the same way. And and that disconnection that we have these days where we're all not even really questioning, you know, the rules that have been given to us Um, that's the disconnection that leads to a lot of internal suffering and illness and soul sickness, the way that I see it, as well as a lot of sickness within the earth and within the communities of of the ecosystems and the relationship between people and planet.
1: We'll talk a little bit more about that, about the idea of especially coming from where we are. And we said that COVID has brought up a lot of internal healing for a lot of people, or at least it's brought it to the table. So some people know what to do with it. Some people don't, but I think it's at least started to people who so easily can ignore stuff to at least know. Now, look, I still see people ignoring it and I have spent A year and a year plus, even though they've been locked down and their lives have changed that way, it's like they're just holding on for everything to open up. Like they're not really switching anything internally, which I have found fascinating to not take advantage of this time when I feel like we've all so been called individually to make shifts. However, talk about what self-healing looks like in relationship to the planet and why they are so it's what you've been just talking about, is so intrinsically linked. And Most of us don't realize it. I mean, you even say in your book, like, once you start going through some healing, you tend to be attracted more to the earth. You tend to go there. But explain why and why, if people would just kind of embrace it to start with, why it might actually help with the healing.
2: Mm, I love that. Yeah. Well, first of all, I just, you know, I have such immense compassion for people who are in that place of just wanting to hold on and things to go back to normal and not wanting to do any transformative work, and I I can find those places within myself all the time, right? We all have that. Um, And and for me, that is a sign of a real social and cultural sickness, is that we don't have a community and and a culture of being able to hold each other in a safe place for us to really, truly let go. And because we live in such an individual culture where people's self-worth is connected to their productivity, it is completely terrifying to have to let that go because that's all we've ever known. And, and for me, you know, community and the earth, like like the root chakra stuff, right? Like the common weeds, the plants that are available, that are free, that are abundant communities, that hold safe space for people to just rest and, and be. These are all the things that allow that deep part of our nervous system to to feel safe enough in order to allow things to release and in order to invite in the possibility that there's a different way of living.
1: Yeah. I think people, you know, I teach Kundalini, so I'm always talking about the nervous system Um, and just people totally underestimate. It's funny. I think people spend a lot of time blaming the outside for why their nervous system feels so shot in not realizing that your outside will completely change once you strengthen that nervous system, calm it down, rewire it. So all those like frayed wires kind of get out of the picture. Um, It's the nervous system is huge.
2: Everything. I (laughs) tell my students that as a witch, like our one job is to learn to master our nervous system.
1: Like that is how do you master yours?
2: Well, obviously, mastering is is an interesting word, and it might not even be the right one because it's kind of a level of control. (sighs) But but I think that that you know, the idea is to notice, right? I mean, our nervous system—it's so brilliant, and again, it's like we get to love it and be like, "Thank you, nervous system! Thank you for processing all the information of everything that's happening all All at once, (laughs) right?" (laughs) And then be like, "Okay, and how can I?" create that safe container for my nervous system to feel safe because our nervous system, I often see it as like this kid that's just doing its best. And it just wants to prove that it's really, you know, doing so much. And that is what causes us to then live in this perpetual cycle of stress and of not enoughness and the feeling like we, you know, there's just so much to process. And so down regulating the nervous system is of course just the key to longevity And the key to mental health and and to us being able to connect to the deeper parts of ourselves, the deeper voices that can be drowned out if we have this very fiery and airy and fast talking, constant voice, right? So, you know, I also have a lot of air and fire.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So you understand.
2: I have zero earth in my chart. Um, and people are often surprised about that because I hold a lot of earth energy, but it's really only through the work of my, with my plants and with the earth that I've developed a real deep embodied connection to the earth within me.
1: When you talk about your chart, are you talking about your astrological natal chart? or Are you talking about, yes.
2: Okay. Yeah. 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 So, you know, mastering the nervous system or tonifying it. Um, I love to work with the nourishing herbs. Those are the category of plants that are super nutritive. Often they are wild weeds. They're abundant and free in nature. Plants like nettles, dandelion root, burdock, chickweed, they're plants that are so abundant. It's as if the earth was like, here you go. There's enough for everyone. Relax, just take in this nourishment. And when people begin to work with the nourishing herbs, their body is flooded with all of this chlorophyll and enzymes and minerals and vitamins. And the nervous system relaxes. The nervous system is like, oh, cool. I have everything I need right here. And people are able to drop into a deeper state of relaxation.
1: So I talk about like, can someone, it's spring now, like dandelions are going to be everywhere. Like what can people do?
2: Yeah. So dandelions, of course, we want to make sure that if we're harvesting, we're harvesting dandelions and any weeds that are not sprayed, so anytime we're wild harvesting, we want to make sure that that this is an area that is wild and away from pollutants and is not sprayed. Um, so if you found some dandelion, you can harvest the leaves. The younger they are, the less bitter they are. And you can make dandelion pesto. Or if you find some nettles or some chickweed, you can also make add them into soups. You can And you them.
1: just like, make cuttings? Do you yeah, just pull you the leaves?
2: Snip off the, the leaves that kind of are the most green and tender and fresh and you can add them into soups you can make quiche with nettle um and then you can also blend the herbs with water and then just strain it and you have this fresh green juice that feels as if like all of your cells just became alive it feels like sunshine and and all the nourishment of the earth it's absolutely amazing.
1: Really yeah. anybody can do, I mean, anybody, I mean, even in LA there's dandelions sprouting up through the sidewalks.
2: Yeah. And then if you don't have access to fresh plant material, if it's the winter or, you know, for whatever reason um, you can buy dried metals or dried dandelion root and make um, infusions, make teas. And they're absolutely life-changing. <laughs>
1: So I know we got off, shocker, because if we're both air and fire, we're we're just going to be on like a lovely journey this whole time. But to go back to, so you came from Poland and you were clearly receiving beautiful knowledge from your grandmother without realizing this is what it was. But tell me a little bit more about your journey, like how you got into this.
2: Yeah, so I ended up moving to the United States um, and then spending time kind of between Poland and the US growing up. Um, I ended up studying architecture, and I was really, I kind of I felt like I would be
0: at Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Um, Creating
2: low-income housing projects that were so healthy that they would support a healthy social change. So it's kind of all about the psychology of space and how different spaces create different cultural um, interactions and and things like that. So I went on to um, work with intentional communities and and I was working in that field, but I ended up getting very sick. And architecture also is a very patriarchal, um, very patriarchal, very driven um, uh, profession uh, with long hours in front of the computer And, um, and I had some other things that that happened that led me to um, really become depleted and sick. You know, some people call it burnout, a lot of different things kind of came together in this glory, glorified mess. Um, And as I began to look for different ways to heal myself. I started with a lot of different alternative medicine after. When you
1: were sick, like describe that a little bit more. Like, what does that look like?
2: Well, it was connected to this trip that I did in in Mexico, and and I was doing an environmental behavior research study there and studying vernacular architecture and food traditions. And I got really sick there. I had parasites and and all these different, you know. Um, Um, yeah, things that got into my digestive system and Western medicine gave me antibiotic after antibiotic after antibiotic. Um, And then my, my, you know, on top of that, I was drinking a lot of coffee and working, you know, then as for an architect and just working too much. Um, And, and so it kind of just continued until I became really weak, um, you know, really burned out um, you know, chronic fatigue, you know, addicted to caffeine, um, digestive issues, things like that. Um, and, and so as I started looking at different ways of healing, I tried acupuncture, I tried all sorts of different alternative medicine. Um, but what ultimately healed me was moving to the forest, I happened to move to Vermont at the time. And Where in Vermont. Um, the Northeast Kingdom. So it's like at the border of Canada, like, there were pretty much no people to, to be friends with very small community. I had some dear friends, but but really, there were a lot more plants to talk to. And so I spent a lot of my time in the forest. And the plants just started talking to me and bringing okay, me back.
1: okay, pause two things. Why did you move to Vermont? Like, what was that impetus?
2: Yeah, I moved to Vermont, because I was really burned out. And I was realizing that Architecture was just not for me, and I needed something different. and And I found the ski academy in <laughs> Vermont, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go and teach art part time in Spanish and just really change my lifestyle.
1: And was a ski academy like a small school for kids? Like for yeah,
2: yeah. it's a really amazing um, private school called Burke Mountain Academy, and they. They're, yeah, private school for kids who want to be Olympic ski athletes. Amazing. Why was the weird witch (laughs) art teacher (laughs) living on the mountain talking to plants? Um,
1: Then you said, so then the plant started talking to you. So talk to me. It's funny. I actually had that question I wanted to talk to you about. So talk to me about the first time you felt like you were communicating with a plant.
2: Well, again, I can't really track it to the first time because my grandmother would always tell me to talk to the plants. And a lot of my earliest memories are these kind of dreamlike memories with, with linden tree, with nettles, with rose, with these different plants when I was growing up. And, and it just felt like the communication was always there. Um, But when I moved to Vermont, I just started walking in the forest a lot. There were a lot of pine and, and, you know, they would just tell me like nibble, nibble on my, on my fur tips and. And, you know, they were just constantly talking. I don't don't really know how to say it. But I think all of us actually really can know what I mean. Because I think most of us, when we go hiking, when we're alone in nature, there's a moment where our consciousness shifts. And there's a moment where that kind of nervous system, rapid voice that we were talking about before, quiets. And there's a deeper voice. And we start to kind of, you know, have epiphanies or realizations and, and if we bring that level of awareness to the plants around us, we can actually start asking them questions about our life, ask for guidance, or ask them for a message, and things begin to just come in.
1: Well, first of all, you also just kind of went to another way of answering that question about how you can heal yourself through Because, I mean, you even just said just by being alone in nature, it quiets everything. And that seems like it takes care of so much. Okay, so you're walking around, you're talking to the plants now, you're teaching these future Olympic athletes, and you're noticing your body's healing?
2: Yeah, I began to find my way back to the wild weeds. I started to discover the nettles that was growing in the forest and, and remember my grandmother teaching me about nettles. And there was just so, so many of the wild weeds were there for my childhood. And at the same time I found uh, an herbalism school in Southern Vermont, which is the Gaia school of healing and earth education that was founded by Sage Maurer. And I began to travel down and study with her. And it was like this huge remembering and reawakening of, of, learning about the wise woman tradition of healing and learning about these plants that my grandmothers used to give me and just really remembering um, these, these old ways of, of healing ourselves by flooding ourselves with nourishment, not by focusing on what needs to be taken away, what is bad, but by flooding ourselves with nourishment and with the earth's love.
1: Well, how do you feel, you or one who studies or relates to the earth like you do or a fellow witch, there what do you how would you describe your relationship with death, with sickness, with healing mm. um, as opposed to someone kind of stuck more in the rut of what's happening in day-to-day society?
2: Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, The way that I relate to death is, is death is seen as an ally for transformation. And so death is an essential ingredient in this cycle of rebirth and life. And by learning to befriend death and learning how to midwife death in our own lives, we're able to also feed the forces of renewal in our own lives And, you know, life has been like pretty brutal (laughs) at times of of giving me initiations and teachings around death, because like you said, there's so much in our culture where we learn about growth and manifesting and those of us who naturally have a lot of that air and fire, you know, life will often and the great mystery will often be like, all right, now let me bring you down to your knees and learn Mm -hmm. how to midwife death.
1: so I wanted to talk about our memberships. So if you are listening to this, no matter where you are in the world, you can now be a part of our community. For $49.99, that's it. You can take class every single day. As much as you want, you can take classes 10 times a day if you'd like. Between our live schedule and our on-demand library, you will have unlimited access. What's beautiful about this now is make it work for you. Whatever you respond to, however you are growing, you will have the ability to set your own schedule And again, like I said, make it work for you. So join us, become a denizen, $49.99. We can't wait to see you in class. Okay, guys, I'm announcing our next Dentox Live, which I love to do. Um, It is not live in a space, but it will be live online at denanywhere.com. So please join us. It's May 1st at 5 p.m. The guest is amazing. It is Paul Selig when we had him in person he sold out he is an incredible channeler and we always get lucky enough where he does channel for us and he is brilliant and his brilliance is also in how humble he is so he is one of my favorite people to interview and favorite people to talk to for the amount of books that man has written and channeled and the amount of incredibly powerful information he has to share with us you would think he'd be less humble and he is not he is literally the most humble man i've ever met um, and kind. And again, the information he has to share. So I'm excited to really dig in, especially at this kind of hopefully what is the tail end of COVID, really understanding from more of a spiritual perspective and what the guides have to say about everything. Now, don't forget the beautiful thing about A dentox Live is you too get a chance to participate. So there is always a Q&A and he is a person you want to Q&A with absolutely. So make sure you join us again, go to denanywhere.com. It's our den talks live May 1st at 5 PM. Um, You can always just go to up and coming. It's so easy to find stuff under that up and coming and see everything else we have going on, but do not miss it. I promise it's going to be great. May 1st at five. See you there, me and the most amazing Paul Selig. Do you find that the more not that I want to turn anyone off because I actually think it's a beautiful thing, but do you find that the more you do this work, it's almost its – I'm trying to find a good way to phrase this. I sometimes find that when you're kind of open to this transformation and open to this constant growth and evolution that – you then, it starts to move very quickly, um, which is amazing. And so a lot of people on, let's say the outside, for lack of a better way to describe it, might be like, well, that's what I want, this evolution that moves so fast. And so they join in. But what I don't think people realize is, but by moving quickly means it's still a cycle. So it it means you're still going to have those low times in order to keep moving up. So in a weird way, I find when you're open to it, you actually get more coming at you than you might have before, which I think people might not think. They're like, I don't get it. You've done all this work. You're so there. What do you mean? Like, haven't you, quote, unquote, mastered it back to that word again? And it's like, no, in some ways, I mean, you were just saying, you feel like you've been dealt a few things that have brought you to your knees. I almost feel like, no, it's like the more awareness you have in some ways, it's like the more... It's like, there's so many layers we have to get. There's so many, so many, so many, so many yeah. that it's an honor to be able to go through so many in one lifetime, I think. But man, you do, I feel like get a lot of them.
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, going back to that image of the cauldron of transformation, <laughs> it's like, if we are all cauldrons of transformation, you know, I, I I do feel like life, if that fire is is strong and our ability to move through things is is strong then life will sometimes throw more things into that fire you know and um and then other folks um you know might suffer with stagnation so like one is not better than the other no not at all (laughs) um but i do i do i have to say i do feel that and and there have been moments where i've been like why (laughs) like i've already learned this do i have to do this again Um, but it is, it's, you know, the, the healing journey is a, is a spiral, right? And -hmm. so there are moments where we feel like we're back in a similar moment, or once again, having to end relationship or, or midwife the death of another cycle, but there's that third axis of time, right? It's not a circle, it's a spiral because we have the axis of time. And so, It's like the same pattern that the earth, the earth is spinning and moving through space and through time. And so, you know, who knows where we're going, but it is a magical thing to be able to invite these energies of transformation into our bodies and to recognize that we then have the ability to midwife great change in our culture, in our communities, in our relationships and for the earth.
1: Talk about, because you were saying circle and spiral. So especially um, being a witch, a circle is very important, it seems like. It seems like it, can, it comes up a lot. Can you explain that a little bit?
2: Hmm, yeah. I mean, I feel like there's so, so many elements of nature that that are round, right? And, and the circle holds a safe container. That's why we cast a circle when we are um, practicing ceremony, is to create a safe container. And and when I do cast a circle, um, and I've invited in all the elements and, and the guides and asked for it to be a safe and sacred container, I always ask that everything that happens in the space is attuned to the vibration of unconditional love and ripples out into all directions as such. And so again, it's that like impeccability with our energy and realizing that we can be impeccable. We can invite in a, a sense of purity, if you will, energetically into all levels, be it the mundane, be it the way we communicate, um, be it the way that we garden or even in our prayers.
1: It's, I love that. And it goes, I like that it keeps going back to that integrity of self, integrity of your own vibration, integrity of Because it's so important. People don't realize it's like you are constantly, as we just said, it's the spiral of life. You're constantly evolving. Mm -hmm. And so what you strongly believe, you know, now you may not believe at all in five years. And it's constantly, it's modulating your own integrity to make sure that you're not holding on to something um, from before. Because I think some people think, well, no, no, that's integrity. I once said this. So therefore I have to always believe that and always. And it's like, no, no, no. Integrity is constantly, you know, modulating with yourself, with the energy. It's like, what is it? Who are you now? And and be open to that switch and that growth and that change.
2: Yeah, I love that. And I feel like it kind of goes back to why we both work with the nervous system, right? It's because by working with the nervous system, then there's less confusion about, well, what is that voice, Right. It's it's by by working with the nervous system, we can get more quiet and we can we can connect to what is the deepest truth right now. And is this voice my ego? Is it my mind? Is it me just really wanting it to work out this way? Mm-hmm. Or is there something deeper?
1: I always work to do. But I love, I mean, so do you feel like in your life, do you just work with symbolism constantly and dreams and arc? I mean, because everything's so archetypal, it feels like. Um, do you feel you're so nuanced now with this rhythm that you kind of understand the messages that are coming to you at all times?
2: Well, obviously not. (laughs) If I did, I probably wouldn't be here anymore. But, you know, (laughs) but, and I think that, you know, for me, because I can really geek out in my mind, it's been really grounding to just keep bringing it back to the framework of the elements Mm -hmm. and the seasons and also these archetypes of the moments in our life. And and so I, again, like going back to the earth is what grounds me and it's what helps me um, understand the messages and understand kind of some of the imbalances I might be seeing in somebody who's looking for healing or or assistance. Um, It's pretty neat to be able to, you know, live in that place of like as above, so below and as finite, so too, so simple. Like if we can just pare things down to the element of earth, air, water, and fire, then we can begin to see patterns in a really clear way.
1: That is so, it's true. It's like, if you, if you make it that simple, you can see A, what you need to bring in, what you need to start like relaxing on. That's interesting. I had, this is weird. I wonder if you have any opinions about this. It was a week or so ago, I had two dreams back to back or in the same night, I should necessarily say back to back because I don't know, but in the same night, and they both involved a spider. And I don't know, I actually am not very connected to a spider. like that's why it was so odd. It was like, huh? And and I know it was specific. Like I know I was being told something, and I'm still wrapping my head trying to figure it out because in both dreams, neither dream was about this spider. Like I don't even remember what was happening in either dream, but I remember in the first one, it was like the big spider came out from under the couch and you could see it. And I remember. There was no fear. There was no interact. It wasn't like the spider was hurting me or I was hurting the spider. There was, it really wasn't about the spider, except there was enough awareness in the dream when it came out. And it was so big that I was like, pay attention. That's a spider. It's trying to tell you something because you don't dream about spiders. Like it was, and then I woke up and was like, all right. And I remembered it, which I never tend to remember the ones that aren't my last one. Like I know I'm like, oh shoot, I can't remember that anymore. And my last dream that same night, was I don't remember what the dream was about. And then a spider came and I think it was either on my shoulder somewhere. Again, no fear, no like, what? It wasn't about scaring me. It wasn't about me trying to kill it. There was no real interaction, but it was the same awareness that came into my dream that said, basically like, here's another spider, figure it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fascinating. And I kept being like, this is something from the earth. Like it was the same thing. I'm like, this is definitely a sign. I I don't work. I don't never really worked with like spider medicine. So I'm like, "Ah, I don't know. It's interesting, but you might have an interesting insight.
2: Well, you know, in those moments for myself, I really love to do shamanic journeys. And, and so when I'm kind of, when I feel like, oh, there's something juicy here, there's something here for me and I, and I want to look deeper. Um, then, then I love the tool of doing a shamanic journey. And and that allows me to go into the subconscious realms, right? Those same kind of brain waves turn on that are on when we're dreaming. And, and we enter those deeper states of consciousness. So I mean I I there's like a there's like a 15 minute or 30 minute you know shamanic drumming on just Spotify. Drumming. Yeah. I just put it on. I love to do it in the bath and I'll get in the bath and I'll turn on the the you know, the drum, sometimes I drum for myself, but often I'll just turn that on. And then I'll do a shamanic journey where I were in this situation, you know, I would ask to meet the spider and to ask the spider what its message is or to see what else is there, you know, it's wanting to show you.
1: I'm going to do that and report back. It was fascinating because I was like, there's definitely, it was very fascinating. I've had a, I feel like recently there's been a lot of archetypal dreams, which has been interesting. Like then the next week was one being given like a stone and a leaf and then told, no, 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 not anymore. Now it's the feather. And I was like, okay, that's a whole thing I got to like take apart. Wow. <laughs> Cause it was, it was very specific. It wasn't that one was better than the other. It was more like, this is not where you are supposed to be working with anymore. You're supposed to be working with this, yeah. which was fascinating. And well, that, yeah, I, it, there's just been a bunch recently. I'm like, yeah. all right, it's spring for sure. Like things are like... <laughs> coming out for sure.
2: I mean, I'm definitely feeling a lot of transformation in both of those dreams. And, and, um, you know, spider for me is often about transformation, but I do feel like it's so great for us to kind of, um,
1: find the answers for ourselves.
2: ourselves, right? Yeah, and, and, and it's great for us to have those tools of, of shifting our consciousness so that we can go into those deeper inquiries. Free writing is such a great one, too, right? Just like free writing. I mean, about that leaf and the stone and kind of seeing what emerges. It can be so wonderful what we can what can be revealed from our own.
1: Hidden yeah, it's so true. You never follow your own stuff. I always say that in class because I leave people on um journeys a lot in class, and nice. you know, people will come out and be like, Okay, I saw this color, what does it mean? And I'm a very strong believer. I'm like, I that it means nothing, like, I could sit here and go through technically what they say, but it everyone it means something different to everyone, truly, totally. right? So, I'm like, you need to sit, and I always say that I'm like, you need to ask yourself what it meant and you'll get the answer but like i whatever i tell you is not really going to be the answer so i'm not even going to waste your time but of course you don't do that for yourself i'm like just tell me tell me what it means
2: <laughs> yeah i do that
1: too <laughs> i know but speaking of which your personal practice sounds amazing cuz you're going to do an earth whisper ritual
2: yeah
1: which i think sounds incredible but before we get there um, one more thing for you. I know you also you talk a little bit in your book about intermittent fasting, which I thought was interesting, too. Is there something about that with that goes with kind of the rhythms of kind of the earth?
2: Yeah, you know, I talked about intermittent fasting. Um I mentioned it really briefly in a list of um, practices that um, people can explore in that moment of spring when often, you know, in the spring, um, there, we, you know, energetically, physically, spiritually, we are being invited to release some old weight and some darkness. And the winter, which, you know, is is really a time of going in, of shadow work, of um, slowing down. Our body also slows down. And we do tend to put on a little bit extra weight, which is really natural and healthy. And, um, and there's a lot of um juiciness in us being able to tonify our deep immunity at that time and work with roots right like root vegetables and and adaptogens and those kinds of plants mushrooms medicinal mushrooms and then as we come into spring nature is showing us that it's time to kind of shed some of those some of that weight and of course it can be physical but really more often it's just energetic and it's time to renew ourselves And so when we look at the plants that are growing in the spring, they're often those wild weeds and and the bitter greens, right? Like dandelion leaf or mustard and nettles, they're plants that stimulate our digestion and wake up our pancreas, our gastric juices, help our body produce bile and help us really cleanse our body. And so nature is just showing us that it's time to really start to eat these bitter greens and, and to really lighten our load. And then spiritually as well. And emotionally, you know, we're in this time of renewal. We're in this season of new beginnings. And so it's a really powerful time for us to do rituals of releasing the old and noticing what can we compost? What can we put down? What habits or relationships or, you know, what cords are draining us so that we can be lighter. And so we can make space for this other part of the year, which is, this moment where we're wanting to really open and bring in new energies. And, and so in my chapter, you know, in that spring chapter, I talk about that in all aspects. And, and I do mention um, some, some ways that I have found it can be, you know, easy to to kind of help the body release some extra weight and stagnation from the winter months and intermittent fasting, you know, has been something that I've used in the past. For some reason, I'm really not called to it right now. <laughs> this season, I'm like, so yeah, thanks. not feeling it. <laughs> but it it can be just such a great tool um and um yeah, it's it's one that I think for a lot of people really works works well.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I've just seen um that recommendation from a few areas of people who work very much with the earth. So I was like, "Oh, that's fascinating." You know what I mean versus yeah. it just being So that's why I was wondering if there's something to that. But I I agree that this season, you definitely feel like you're shedding no matter what, whether it's physical or just energetic or emotional. When do you, I mean, we talked a lot about magic, especially in the beginning of the episode, but like when, what do you define as magic? We should, I should say that first.
2: Wow. That's a great question. I don't know if anyone's ever asked me that. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I mean, like magic is everything to me and everything is magic you know, um, magic is that, that kind of like shimmering wink from spirit that there's so much more going on than what meets the eye. And then playing in those realms of magic is actually being in conversation with that and, and feeding it and listening to it and, and relating to it.
1: It's funny. Like when you said that, I just got the impression of, you know, because there is like these two schools of thoughts, like, yes, I believe in that magic or, oh, my God, what? whatever it's it, that doesn't exist, um, the more black and white. And it just kind of the impression I got was like the more black and white version or like almost the kids, which I know seems inverse, but like the kids who don't quite understand the conversation yet at the dinner table, like they don't quite know yet the conversations mom and dad might be having are the things that are really going on in the real world. And because they just haven't heard that vocabulary, but once you get to an age or to an awareness, whatever it is, you can't not hear or see it. And it's like the opposite because one feels a little negative, but it's the same idea where it's like, if you, the minute you open yourself up to that conversation, possibly existing in the universe, that there are winks and nods happening, then you can't unsee it.
2: Totally. Absolutely. And it's just so much more magical to live in that way.
1: Oh my God. So much better. You
2: kind of can't go back.
1: (laughs) Who wants to? Way more fun.
2: It's like fairies
1: and unicorns are way more interesting, (laughs) way more exciting. Um, No, it's so true. Okay. So magic, like, do you believe, not believe, what time of year... Going in the cycles of the earth, going in the cycles of the seasons, do you feel like there's a better time for you to manifest? If there's something that you're really wanting to create, is that something you do daily? Or is there a time that you really know this is like, is it the spring equinox? Is there a time that you feel like, yes, this is the best time to plant those seeds?
2: Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, Well, in my book, what I talk about is really how there are different wheels that overlap. And so if we look at the wheel of the year, then yes, the moment of spring is a really powerful time to be planting new seeds, making new commitments, um, starting new things, renewing our practices, and then also making space, right? Like clearing out the old, cleaning out the closet, really making space in our lives for for renewal. And that whole kind of arc from from springtime into the summer equinox, when the sun is in its climactic peak is this growing energy that we can really ride in our rituals and in our practices to manifest and to amplify and to to make, you know, make things grow. Um, but that is also mirrored in the moon cycle. And so every single month, there's a moment from the new moon to the full moon that holds that same energy of expansion and growth. And that is also mirrored in the wheel of the day, And so from morning to noon, there's a really strong current of energy from the earth that is this growth upward cycle. So really we can kind of use any of those portals. I love that. Yeah.
1: Lots of manifestation portals. So that's good. (laughs) This has been so fascinating and amazing. And there is, I mean, I'm I, I don't even think I started to ask any of the questions I intended to ask. So there's so much more I want to like dig in with you and it's great. I really hope people are inspired um, to even just start listening to nature or just just start paying attention to what their relationship is. So it starts to shift a little bit. Cause like you said, we were all so responsible um, for ourselves and you can't ignore that relationship because we were, it, it just exists. We're part of that web. Um, and there's so much to learn and grow from and and do our part. I love Cauldron of Transformation is amazing. So, and I, I will always have that vision. And I have to thank you. Thank you for all of your wisdom.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me and thank you to all the listeners. And yeah, I think that if there's one piece that I hope people can take away, it's it's the sense of what a magical thing it is to participate in life. And that we get to relate to the earth and ourselves and each other. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> That's a beautiful way to say it. And don't nobody leave because you want to stay around for her um, personal practice. So now Marisha is gonna lead us in her personal practice, which is gonna be an earth whisper ritual.
2: It's my joy to share with you the earth whispering ritual, which is a really beautiful way of releasing energy from your body, of grounding yourself, and of bringing in the loving energy of the earth, while also whispering your intentions into the body of the earth mother. For this ritual, you're going to need some water and a simple offering that you'll be giving to the earth. It can be dried herbs or fresh flowers. It can be a strand of your hair or a crystal, anything that is meaningful to you. I'm gonna invite you to take off your shoes, to bring your offering and to begin to walk on the earth allowing your body to relax, allowing your mind to calm and paying attention to the sensation of the wind on your skin, the sun and all of the elements around you. Notice the earth beneath your feet as you walk. Is it dry? Are you walking on moist grass? Notice your body relaxing as you allow your intuition to guide you. As you continue to walk, connect to your heart and to your intention of praying and whispering your wishes into the body of the earth. Allow that request of permission to pray into the earth, to beam out of your heart into all directions around you. You can visualize it as a light or a beam of color that ripples from your heart as you walk and that is received by the trees and the landscape all around. Continue to walk, allowing your intuition to guide you and begin to feel the presence of a spot in nature where you can lay down and be comfortable and undisturbed. As you walk, you begin to find a place that is inviting, that is welcoming you. And when you reach this place, lay down, putting down your offerings and laying your body down on the earth. You can begin by laying with your back against the earth, closing your eyes and stretching your hands and your arms and legs out and taking some deep breaths in and some clearing breaths out. Use your breath as a tool to help you ground and arrive and settle in. You'll notice after you've taken some deep breaths that your body is grounding down, that the earth is holding and supporting you and that you're feeling a sense of comfort Once you've noticed that you've shifted into this deeper state of relaxation, turn around and now lay with your belly against the earth. Once again, use your breath as a tool, taking some deep breaths in, noticing the smell of the earth and sighing out, releasing tension from your body. You'll notice with your belly and your heart against the earth that your body goes into an even deeper state of relaxation and comfort. Once you feel the sweet connection of your body pressed against the body of the earth, bring your lips and your mouth and your hands to the soil or the grass beneath your face. Ask permission from the earth to open her and to make a small hole. And when you feel a yes, begin to make a little hole with your hands or perhaps with a small tool. Make the hole just big enough so that you can rest your brow, your third eye on the earth, but so your nose and your mouth has space in this hole to breathe the smell of the earth and to speak into the earth. Once you've made this hole, lay back down with your body pressed against the earth, your belly and heart on the earth, and with your face resting in this small hole that you've made. You'll notice how intimate this feels. You'll smell the breath and the skin of the earth, and you'll notice how deeply your body is relaxing as if held by the mother. As you breathe and rest, notice what is on your heart. Notice if there is any sorrow or grief or anything that you are going to ask the earth to help you release. Speak those prayers into the earth out loud, making sure that your voice is heard and is vibrating into the earth's body. Speak to her like a mother, like a healer, like the source of life that she is and ask her to take the things that are weighing you down, that are causing illness or sadness or that are simply ready to return to the earth and be composted into new energy for renewal. Then continue to just speak from your heart and connect to the seeds that you wish to plant. Connect to your dreams and your longings, to connect to your wishes. Speak those into the earth, speaking to her and asking her to hold them in her fertile flesh to receive them into her body and to nourish them so they can sprout and grow. When you're complete, give gratitude, speaking thank you and make an offering, make a gift. Bury the flowers or drip some water into the hole. Make your offering, add your strand of hair and allow the loving energy from your heart to pour into the earth who has just received you so beautifully. Ask permission to close her and ask for forgiveness for opening her body. As you close this hole, take a few more moments to settle into your body, to close your eyes, maybe to lay down or to journal. Notice what has shifted. This is a ritual that I like to do with every season. And it's a ritual that you can also simplify and be a tool anytime that you need to feel the reassurance and the comfort of the earth. Laying down on the earth is proven to reduce inflammation in the body and to shift our brain waves So we can enter the theta brainwave and the alpha brainwave, which regenerates the nervous system, opens creativity, and deeply relaxes us. As you begin to lay on the earth more frequently, you'll notice how loving and grounding and nourishing her presence is. And I pray that you find great joy in offering love from your heart to her as well. And so it is
1: Den Talks Podcast would not exist without these incredible people Nicole Rappy, Reem Edan, Hayden Fungheiser, Kim Bielik and music by Alex Fetter. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Den Talks Podcast